Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. As beauty salons are given the green light to reopen on Monday, cries of sexism as beard trims are allowed, but not eyebrow threading. We're asking whether sexism is chancing science as the beauty industry reopens. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. In news that brought a sigh of relief to anyone who's experienced a DIY beauty disaster over the lockdown, as well as the 220,000 Britons employed in the industry, nail bars and beauty salons can reopen in England from Monday the 13th of July. It's nine days after hairdressers were allowed to open their doors. Beauticians, tattooists, spas, tanning salons and other close contact services can now do the same, I'm pleased to say, from Monday. Of course, that will be subject to some restrictions on particularly high-risk services. Massages are a go, nails are back on the menu, waxing is fine too, but only treatments below the neck, apart from beard trimming. The government says the latest decision is based on the scientific and medical advice that treatments carried out in the so-called high-risk zone directly in front of the client's face are the most dangerous. But there have been cries of hypocrisy and allegations of elitism. After all, Tom Cruise got the green light to have his makeup artist work on the Mission Impossible films resuming shooting this week. Britain's largely female beauty consumers won't yet be able to experience the same. Joining me to discuss whether this is a necessary public health measure or another symptom of a lockdown largely designed by men are The Telegraph's women's editor Claire Cohen and our beauty director Sonia Harrier. Let's start with the delay in reopening salons nine days after hairdressers. The government had repeatedly said that the beauty industry wasn't what it called COVID secure and they referred to this clinical evidence as to why this was the case but they didn't publish details of that evidence. Sonia Harrier, you and your team valiantly tried but failed to dig deeper into that evidence, didn't you? Yes. And I've just also spoken to, I just got off the phone to a doctor who works in aesthetic medicine, because I really want to understand from a medical point of view, actually, what are, you know, why now can we still not do any face treatments? And from his understanding, you know, there is no real scientific evidence there. I think a lot of the government decisions have been based on not understanding what the beauty industry really um, entails and what the treatment and services entail. Obviously, a facial 
I think they assume is is very much face to face, but it's not. It's almost like you're having a backwash at a hairdresser. Mm. That's the position that you'd have a facial in. So there's a lot of misunderstandings on the part of the government into actually what the beauty industry really entails. And also in terms of speaking to many of the, the doctors in the aesthetics field, they also didn't have any clear evidence from the government on what what the science is. And and also what the science was to even delay the, you know, the difference between hairdressers and um, salons. We saw in many European countries with reopening, hair and beauty were always lumped together. And that's what, how we thought we would reopen in the UK. As a whole, the treatment sector um, in the beauty industry is very hygienic. They've always been prepared with PPE. They've always had, in most cases, very high hygiene standards. And also many of the treatments are one-on-one. So to open pubs, which are not one-on-one, and yes, the proximity is closer and there's no getting around that. But, you know, from the my chat with the doctor this morning, there's no reason why the R8 would increase in a beauty salon with all of those extra precautions in place. So I think the industry as a whole is is happy this morning that um, we have the news of um, you know, half of the sector being opened and that you can have pedicles and manicures and that sort of thing again. But also it's, it's quite bittersweet because, um, any face treatments, I mean, that's, that's over half of the industry that conducts face treatments. I read a rather amusing tweet, but with a more serious point by a BBC journalist who said, so what if I lie upside down and the beauty therapist pretends that my eyebrows are a beard, but Claire, how emblematic do you think this is of a wider neglect of women's needs and women's work? Traditionally, more women work in the beauty industry in a lockdown largely engineered by men who can now get their beards trimmed. Exactly. It is hugely emblematic of it. I mean, there's this huge imbalance when it comes to lockdown easing. The beard trimming example is really the perfect one. I mean, there seems to be this attitude that the beauty industry is somehow frivolous and vain and it's being minimised. And I don't know if you heard the laughter in the House of Commons this week when it was raised and all the MPs, largely male voices, were sort of booming and laughing and the Prime Minister turned it into a huge joke. And it just was so galling to hear that. It was it just totally minimised it. And this is actually another example of the women's workforce being impacted by the easing of lockdown. Um, you know, you only have to look at some of the first things that were eased. You know, I've, I've joked in articles that it was hunting, shooting and fishing, but it was. It was, you know, hunting, golf, fishing. All those things were the first ones being talked about. You know, and it's not to say that some women don't enjoy those pursuits, but, you know, they are traditionally male dominated, aren't they? And I don't see what's so different and what's less frivolous about going to the pub than going to get a pedicure or manicure or a facial treatment. You know, and I think really, I'm sure lots of people will... Um, will not agree with this, but lockdown really has been designed by men for men. And I think that does need saying, you know, you only have to look at how few women did the daily news briefing throughout the peak of the virus. Uh, You only have to look at how many women are in the cabinet um, around that table making these decisions. Um, I think it's only 14 out of 50 members of SAGE who are female. So policies are not being tested stress tested with women in mind and therefore there being this idea this stereotype that they're perhaps vain or frivolous not important is being allowed to perpetuate rather than there being enough voices around the table to counter that and to offer the the alternative point of view 
And Sonia, it took a female MP to stand up for the industry, didn't it? After Claire's referring there to, it was the MP for Hazel Grove, William Ragg, and the Prime Minister during PMQs had a quite blatantly sneering conversation about beauty salons. We'll insert a clip of that now. State of us, my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister and I will be among the first in these socially distanced queues as barbers and hairdressers reopen this weekend. But neither of us is likely to be queuing for an appointment at a beauty salon. Mr Speaker, sadly, sadly, as much needed as it may be, sadly, neither will anybody else, as many of these much-loved businesses remain closed. Will the Prime Minister review this decision so that the likes of Lush Beauty and Romilly in my constituency can reopen safely as soon as possible? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, I'm sure that one day I'll be going with him to Lush Beauty. Uh, in, in- For me, it wasn't so much even what they said, because Boris Johnson did then go on to say how important he thought that the beauty industry was, even if he was perhaps showing that through words and and less through actions. But it was the performative nature of how they were talking about beauty salons and as if it were a joke and and the laughter around them in the comments. Sonia, I know that was a conversation that didn't pass you by. It was an infuriating exchange, a sort of one minute exchange between these two male politicians on how they won't be first in the queue at beauty salons. But it's something we've always felt in the beauty sector and it reaches every sort of touch point in the beauty sector. It's a quiet, you know, treating the, the whole industry as, as, like Claire says, as frivolous. And it's all about vanity, really, for women, which is completely incorrect. There's the feel good factor. There's the fact that it employs so many women and it's largely women in the beauty sector that are now being affected. And it's a type of industry that allows you to work sort of creatively and flexibly and also you know, many of these young women in the industry are setting up their own businesses. So also they haven't qualified for any government funding. So I've spoken to many um, hundreds, in fact, over the last week or two of women in the industry who are thousands of pounds in debt. They can't afford to, um, you know, they're having to take up supermarket jobs just to pay their bills, which is obviously not what they want to do. They want to get back to work and they know they can get back to work in their trained professions in a safe manner. And in terms of earlier in the week, well, the last week, Prime Minister's questions, and then Caroline Noakes um, MP stood up on Tuesday in Parliament. So it's quite quite a wide discussion in Parliament about the beauty sector on Tuesday. And it's sad to think that it, it takes a woman to speak about the beauty industry in a serious way. Sonia's quite right to point out that, you know, the women's workforce and beauty is dominated by female employees is going to be so impacted by this and it's just you know i think it's important to say it's just one of many which is going to see women workers impacted i mean we've got we've heard about huge job losses um in retail this week and hospitality as well and all those sectors are female dominated you know and this is the topic of um the equality check campaign that we launched in the telegraph a couple of weeks ago to shine a light on the potential setting back of women's careers, you know, and the fact that so many women are the ones who have borne the childcare and the homeschooling and the domestic burden during lockdown. And now that we're emerging from lockdown, the industries in which they do work and they want to get back to are being overlooked. And it's going to create this huge disparity in the workforce um, and increase an already huge gender pay gap. 
It's also really not an industry to be sniffed at. Beauty's worth 30 billion, almost 30 billion pounds to the UK economy, which is more than the car manufacturing industry. 200,000 women are employed in the beauty industry in the UK. Do you think part of the problem is the hypocrisy as well? And that feeds into so many parts of, of the lockdown. I mean, you could, for example, get Botox from a healthcare professional for medical reasons, but not for cosmetic reasons. It's exactly the same treatment, albeit for different purposes. Uh, one's allowed and one isn't. Sonia, to me, that seems a bit snobby. Is that fair? There was definitely a sense of snobbery on behalf of Public Health England, I think, because they um, allowed chiropodists to go back to work, but not um, nail technicians doing pedicures. So their whole proximity argument really has fallen short here. There's no reason why we've had um, we've had to delay the reopening of the beauty sector, but it's purely based on the fact that you know, like Claire says, it is completely a decision um, by men, and they probably feel that it's it's not essential and it's not time to you know go back to work. And Sonia, you were spearheading the Telegraph's Why Can't I Work campaign, which was launched about 10 days ago. You were asking beauty therapists up and down the country to post pictures of themselves in their PPE, uh, telling us about how the decision to delay reopening the beauty sectors affected them. Could you paint a picture for us about the messages that you were seeing? Yeah, so it um, snowballed quite quickly into, um, we've got several thousands of posts now of women dressed in their full PPE. Um, using our hashtag, why can't I work? And almost sending a message to the government um, asking, you know, I've got the strictest hygiene protocols. I've got everything in place. My um, business and my livelihood is being completely shattered by this and I can't pay my rent. And, you know, just very emotive stories and telling us and through a you know wider visual example just showing us just how prepared the beauty industry is so it's something that we're definitely going to continue and push on so even though we've got half of the sector now reopened and I genuinely feel that the the government wouldn't have opened so quickly I mean they announced it yesterday that that salons can open for below the next services as of Monday and I don't think they would have if there wasn't such a huge pressure from many of the industry groups who've been lobbying um, and also from the general noise that's been created from the beauty industry. So it's great that half of the industry is now reopened, but we are definitely going to push on and push ahead with our Why Can't I Work campaign to make sure that soon after the rest of the industry can, can get back to work. And just to point out that most of the PPE that those women would have been wearing in the photos they shared with the Telegraph would have been designed for men and won't fit them properly. And that's another one of the really unspoken Gosh, scandals of the last four months. Masks slipping down, uh, gloves kind of not tight around the wrists like they should be, gowns really long so that they were at risk of tripping over them. And that's because when it was originally designed, it was based on a male Caucasian body type. And there was no, no thought at all that women might need to wear it. What is the point of PP if it's not going to protect? The idea of masks slipping off and gloves slipping off is very, very frustrating to say the least. I suppose the only other thing that we've alluded to but not really gone into detail on is the idea of beauty as wellness. And we talk about that a lot when we speak about swimming pools reopening and gyms reopening and the fact that they, of course, we know are brilliant for your physical well-being, but also for your 
mental well-being. Um, and I do think that there's an element of that in beauty. I mean, I am very much looking forward to a facial whenever the time may come uh, for that. And that is primarily because I enjoy it and it relaxes me. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who feel the same. Oh, I'm, I'm one of them. I, you know, I really, I do get my nails done and I enjoy it and it makes me feel confident and especially actually in a professional setting, it does help me to present myself better and it's fun to do as well. You know, I don't see why, um, you know, we can, can't combine boosting our self-esteem after four months in lockdown and boosting the economy. I mean, it's a win-win, surely. Here, here, Claire Cohen, women's editor and Sonia Harrier, the Telegraph's beauty director. Uh, it's very lucky you both can't see me right now and that we're doing a podcast because I have a very vested interest in getting my eyebrows done. I know, I really want my eyebrows done. <laughs> you have amazing eyebrows. The rest of the coronavirus latest news. People arriving in the UK from 75 countries, including France, Italy and Germany, no longer have to self-isolate for two weeks. People who arrived from those countries before today will still be expected to complete their period of isolation. And travellers arriving in Scotland from Spain still have to quarantine. Areas of New York could see up to a 70% rate of immunity to COVID-19 in findings that suggest they could be protected from a second wave. Some 68% of people who took antibody tests at a clinic in the neighbourhood of Queens received positive results, while at another clinic in Jackson Heights, 56% tested positive. The results, shared with the New York Times, appear to show a higher antibody rate than anywhere else in the world, based on publicly released data. Don't forget that you can access all of our journalism, the news that'll keep you up to speed on the pandemic, and the puzzles, videos, reviews, and advice that'll distract you from it completely free for 30 days. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio. If you'd like to get in touch, the email address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and that's it from me until Monday. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>